The War of the Wales by H.T. Wales. Chapter Book Two The Earth Under the Martians. Chapter Eight Dead London. After I parted from the interdunary man, I went down the hill by the high street, across the bridge to Fulham. Red weed was tremendous at the time and nearly choked the bridge roadway. Those farms were already rightened by in patches by spreading disease. President removed it so swiftly. Corner lane that runs to Putney Bridge Station, I found a man lying. He's as black as a sweat, with black dust alive, but helpless, speechlessly drunk. I got could get nothing from him but curses and furious lunges at my head. I think I should have stayed by him, but for his brutal expression of his face. There's black dust along the roadway from the bridge onwards. Grew thicker and fallen. Streets were horribly quiet. Got food. Sour, hard and mouldy, but quite edible. Baker's shop here. Some way towards Wallen Green and streets came clear of powder. I passed a white terrace of houses on fire. The noise of burning was an absolute relief. Going on towards Brompton, the streets were quiet again. Here found came across, came once more upon black powder in the streets and upon black dead bodies. So altogether about a dozen the length of the fallen road. They'd been dead many days, so I had hurried quickly past them. Black powder covered them over and softened their outlines, one or two disturbed by dogs. Well, there was no black powder. It was curiously like Sunday in the city. The closed shops and houses locked up, the blinds drawn and desertion. The stillness of some places plunderers been at work, but rarely at other. The provision of wine shops and jewelry's windows had been broken. Over in one place, apparently his thief had been disturbed. Number gold chains and watch lay scattered on the pavement. I did not trouble to touch them. Further on was a tattered woman, a heap in a doorway. The hand that hung over her knee was gashed. A bled down her rusty brown dress. A smashed magnum of champagne formed a pool across the pavement. She seemed asleep, but she was dead. Further penetrated to London, the foe found a grew found a good stillness, but it was not so much the stillness of death. Stillness of suspense of expectation. Any time destruction had already singed the north western borders of the metropolis. Had a night-aged Ealing and Kirk burn, might strike among these houses, leaving smoking ruins, the city condemned and derelict. In South Kensington, the streets were clear and dead and black powder. Near South Kensington, I first heard a howling. It crept almost imperceptibly upon my senses. It was a sobbing revelation. Two words, Alula, 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 kept on penetrating. I passed streets and ran northward. It grew in volume and houses and buildings seemed to deaden and cut it off again. Came in full tide down Exhibition Road. I stopped staring towards the crimson gardens, wondering strange remote wailing. Was it if it was if a mighty house deserted of the houses found a voice for its fear and solitude? Allura, Allura, Allura was wailed at its superhuman note. Great waves of sound sweeping down the broad, sunlit roadway between the tall buildings on each side. I turned northwards, marvelling, towards the iron gates of Iron Park. At half the mine, breaking the National History Museum, find my way up to the summits of towers in order to see across the park, decided to keep to the ground where 
quick hiding was possible, so I went up to the Bishop Road. All the large mansions on each side of the road were empty and still. My footsteps echoed against the sides of the houses at the top near the park gate that came down a strange, upon a strange sight. Bus overturned, the scudder of a pulse picked clean, puzzled over this for some time, went on to the bridge over Sepertine. Sepertine, the voice grew stronger and stronger, though I could see nothing above the housetops. On the other side of the park, save a haze of smoke to the northwest. Alula, Alula, cried a voice coming as it seemed to me, drifting about Regent's Park. This resting cry worked upon my mind. The mood I sustained me passed, only took possession of me. I found I was intensely weary, footstool, and now again hungry and thirsty. It's already past noon. Was I wandering alone in the city of the dead? Why was I alone when all London was lying in state in this black shroud? Felt it totally lonely. My mind ran on all friends I'd forgotten for years, for the poison of the chemist shop, liqueurs of wine merchant stores, called the two sudden creatures of despair, who so far as I knew shared a city with myself. I came into Oxford Street by the marble arch, and here again were black powders, several bodies, and a yield on a smell from the gratings of the cellars, some of the houses. I grew very thirsty after the heat of a lot of my long walk. With infinite trouble, I managed to break into the public house and got food and drink. I was weary before eating. I went to the parlour behind the bar, slept on a black horse hair sofa I found there. I woke to find that dismal howling still in my ears. Alula, alula, alula. It was now dusk, and after I routed out some biscuits and cheese in the bar, there was a meat safe, but it contained nothing but maggots. I wandered on through the silent residential squares of Baker Street. Portman Square is the only one I can name. So I came about at last upon Regent's Park. As I emerged from the top of Baker Street, I saw far away over the trees and the clearness of the sunset, hold the Martian giant form, his howling proceeded, which his Pesalium proceeded, as they're not terrified, I came upon him. This very well matter of course. I watched him for some time, but he did not move, he appeared to be standing and yelling, for no reasons I couldn't that I could discover. I tried to formulate a plan of action at provincial sound Lula, 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 freeze my mind, perhaps I was too tired to be very fearful. Certainly I was more curious to know the reason his monotose crying and afraid. Turned back away to the park and struck in the park road. Intended to skirt the park, went along and sailed to the Paris's, got a view of the stationary Halley Martian, direction of St John's Wood, a couple of hundred yards out of Baker Street, heard a yelping chorus, and saw first a dog with a piece of red meat in his jaws, coming headlong towards me, then a pack of starving mongrels in pursuit of him. He made a wild curve to avoid me, though he was feared I might prove a fresh competitor. He yelped. As the yelping died away down the side of the road, the wailing sound of Eula, Eula, reasserted itself. I came upon the wrecked handling machine, halfway to St. John's Wood Station. First I thought the house had fallen across the road, so only as I clambered among the ruins, saw that with a start this mechanical section lying, the tentacles bent and smashed and twisted, the ruins they had made. Farpot was shattered, seen as if it had been badly driven, been, had been driven bad, blindly straight at the house, been overwhelmed its overthrow. 
It seemed to me that this might have happened by hand machine escaping from the guidance of, a, of a, its marching. I could not clamber among the ruins to see it. The twilight was now so far advanced that the blood with which its seat was smeared was no gristle of the Martian the dogs had left were invisible to me. Wondering what still more was always seen, pushed on towards Primrose Hill, far away from a gap in the trees, saw a second Martian as motionless as the first standing in the park towards the zoological gardens, and silent. A little beyond the ruins, about the smashing Meshed sanding machine, I came upon a red weed again, found a regent's canal, a soggy mass of green, dark red vegetation. Across the bridge, the sound of Yula Lula Lula ceased, as if it was were cut off. The silence came like a thunderclap. The dusky's house about me stood faint and tall and dim, trees towards the park were growing black. All about the red weed clambered among the ruins, rearing the gate above me in the in dimness, night of the mother of fear, mysteries coming upon me. But while that voice sounded in a solitude, the desolation been endurable. By virtue of it, London has seen, still seemed alive, sense of life about me that had upheld me, and suddenly a change, the passing of something, knew not what, in stillness, there could be felt nothing but its gaunt quiet. London about me gazed at me, but the windows of white houses were like the window sockets of skulls. About my imagination, about me, my imagination found a thousand noiseless enemies moving, terror seized me, horror by terminarity in front of me. A row became plitchy back as though it were tarred, sort of a contorted shape lying across the pathway. Could not bring myself to go on. Turned down St. John's Wood Road and ran headlong from this undurable stillness towards Kirkburn. Hid from the night and the silence till long after the midnight in the cabinet man's shelter in Harrow Road. Before the dawn, my courage returned. My stars and still in the sky, it turned once more towards Regent Park, missed my way along the roads, streets, among the streets, and presently set down a long avenue in the half light of the early dawn, a curve of Primrose Hill. The summit tearing up the fading stars was the third version, erect, motionless. My motionless like the others. Insane resolve possessed me. I could die and end it. I could save myself, even in trouble, killing myself. I marched on recklessly towards this titan. Then, as it grew nearer, then the light grew. I saw a multitude of black birds were circling and clustering about the hood. And my, about my heart gave a bound. I ran, began running along the road. I hurried for the red weed and choked it. Edmund's Terrace, I waited, high breast, breast high across the torrent of water, rushing down from the waterworks towards Albert Road, emerged upon the grass, before rising the sun. Great moulds had been heaped about the crest of the hill, making it a huge redoubt of it. It was the final largest pace the Martians had made, and from behind these heaps there rose a thin smoke against the sky, against the sky lying an eager dog ran and disappeared. I thought, and flashed into my mind, grew real, grew credible. I felt no fear, only a wild, trembling resolution. I ran up the hill towards the motionless monster. Out of the hill hung large shreds of brown, which the hungry birds pecked and tore. 
In another moment, I had scrambled up the earth ramp, uh, rampant and stood upon its crescent and interior. We doubt was below me. A mighty space it was, the gigantic machines here and there, within its huge mounds of material, strange sheltered places. And shattered about it, some in their overturned war machines, some in their old, now rigidly handy machines, a dozen of them stark and silent, and laid in a row were Martians, dead, slain by the perfect active, active a diseased bacteria, against the, which the symptoms were unprepared, slayed as if red weed was he, being slayed, slayed, of all main devices have failed, by the humblest things that God, his wisdom, was put upon this earth. For so has it come about as a deed I had, and many men might have foreseen, had not terror as blasts have blinded our minds. These germs of disease have taken toll of, uh, of humanity since the beginning of things, taken toll of our pre-human ancestors since life began here. But by virtue of this nature select, natural selection of our kind, we have developed resisting power to no germs to do succumb without a struggle, and to no matter what it those that cause perfection in dead matter, for instance, our living frames are too altogether immune. There were no bacteria in Mars, and directly these evaders arrived. Directly they drank and fed our microscopic alleys began to work their overthrow. Already when I watched them irrevocably doomed, dying and rotting, even they went to and fro is invitable. By doom of billion deaths, man brought his birthright to the, of the earth. His ears against all comers, it would still be this, his, were the Martians ten times as mighty as they were, as they are. For neither do men live, nor men or die in vain. Here and here is scattered nearly fifty altogether, the great gulf that had made overtaken a death that might have seen them as incomprehensible as any death could be. To me, almost at that time, this death was incomprehensible. All I knew was that these things had been alive, so terrible to men, were dead. For a moment I believed the destruction of Skidamine, and repeated the guard had repented. The angel death had slain them in their might, that, that, them in, that, in the night. Stood staring in the pit, my heart lightened, gloriously even in the rising sun. Struck the world of fu- fire about me with his rays, a pit of steel and darkness, and mighty engines so great and wonderful in their power. Complexity, some earthly in their torturous forms, rose weird and vague and strange out of the shadows. Towards the light, a multitude of dogs could hear foot over the bodies that lay darkly, the depth of the pit, far below me, across the pit of his further lips. Flat and vast and strange lay the great fighting mach- flying machine, for which they had been sparing on a denser atmosphere when decay and death arrested them. Death came not a day or too soon, sound of crawling, Overhead, heard, I looked up to the huge fighting machine. A good, f- that would fight no more forever. A tattered red shreds of flesh and dripped down upon over seats, seats, turned seats on the summit of Primrose Hill. I turned up down the slope of the hill to where and load. Now the birds stood those, uh, and other two Martians as been, I had seen overnight, just as death had overtaken them. One had died, even if he had been crying. The companion, perhaps it was last to die, his voice had gone on perpetually to the force of machinery was exhausted. They glittered now, harmless tripod towers of shiny metal in the brightness of the sizing sun. All about the pit and saved as by, as by a miracle, everlasting destruction. 
stretched the great city, mother cities. Those who have only seen London veiled by her sombre robes of smoke could scarcely imagine the naked clearness and beauty of the silent wilderness of her houses. Eastward over the blackened ruins, Albert Terrace was splendid, spire of square church, the sun blazed daily, dazzling clear sky. There was some facet of great realness of roofs caught on the light and glared a white intensity. Northward were Kilburn and Hampstead, blue and crowded with houses. Westward, the great city was dimmed, and southward, beyond the marshes, grinding rays of Regent's Hill, Bates Park, Langham Hotel, the Dome of Albert Hall, Imperial Institute, Granite Giant Mansions, Brompton Road, near, came a clear and little, the sunrise of their jagged ruins of Westminster, rising easily beyond. Far away the blue were the red Surrey Hills, the towers, Crystal Palace glittered like two silver rods. The dome of St. Peter's was dark against the sunrise, injured at sulfur sized time by, by a huge gaping cavity on its western side. As I looked at this wide expanse of houses and factories and churches, silent and bounded, they thought the monstrous hopes and efforts, in number of hosts of lives, are gone to build a home in this human reef, with swift and ruthless destruction. Hang all over it, all. And I realised that the shadow had been rolled back. A man might still live in the streets. This dear, vast, dead city of mine, be more once alive and powerful, felt a wave of emotion when the air kin to tears. Till it was over. Even the day the healing, even the day the healing would begin. So I arrived the people scattered over the country. Leadless, lawless, foodless, a sheep without a shepherd. Thousands of fled by sea would begin to return, pulse life growing stronger and stronger, and beat again in the empty streets and pour across the vacant squares. Where destruction was done, the hand of destroyer was stayed. All gaunt wrecks, the broken stagnants of houses that stared, so defiant and dismally uh, at a sunlit glass, grass of the hills, with only be echoing with the hammers, stories of ringing and tapping of the tail trowels. A moment extending my hand towards the sky, I began the thinking guard. In a year thought I in a year. With overwhelming thoughts came the thought of myself, my wife, the old life of hope and tender hopelessness, and it ceased forever.